Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone. I am Nicholas Carroll, your fill-in host this week for the Forza Italian Football Podcast, filling in for Connor Clancy, who's currently travelling around Italy with um, one of our other regulars, Luca. So to help me this week uh, fill in, of course, we have Vito Doria, who's one of our regulars as well. Vito, how are you? Yeah, very good, Nick. I mean, this should be another good experience. And, yeah, looking forward to the chat again. And to join us, uh, hasn't been on for a few weeks, but our favourite Neapolitan is Katarina Mira. Hi, Nick. How Happy are you going? Back. Yeah, fine, thanks. Happy to be back. Okay, so I'm not going to go too much into the intros as we have a lot to get through today with all the Serie A results and, of course, the European competition draws as well, plus a little bit on Serie B as always. So, firstly, I'm just going to quickly go in somewhat of a chronological order and I'll start with Cagliari against Sampdoria, which was 2 all. Um, just very quickly, Vito, um, as I, I know you might want to have a quick comment on this, but um, two points down the drain, would you say? Absolutely. Sampdoria created so many chances in that game and had a comfortable 2-0 lead, but unfortunately the goalkeeper Emiliano Viviano had a poor game and the goal that uh, pulled it back to 2-1 by Diego Farias was an error on his part. I must also say that Alessio Cranio had an excellent game in goal for Cagliari. So although Fabio Cagliarella had a fine game scoring two goals, uh, Cranio, he denied Lucas Torreira, Gaston Ramirez and even Gianluca Caprari twice near the end. So it is two points lost and Viviano blew it, but I think uh, Alessio Cranio is a goalkeeper to keep an eye out on. So, you know, uh, with Sampdoria, it's all a matter of sticking to the game plan and not make too many individual mistakes, but also keep on out for 
opponents who have a sharp day like Cranio did. Um, okay, we'll, we'll won't let you dwell too much on that. So we'll get right to the Derby d'Italia, Juventus against Inter, which was goalless, finished nil nil. Um, Peter, I will stick with you about this. Uh, what were your general thoughts on the match? Obviously, there's a lot of hype around it. Did you think nil all was somewhat anticlimactic? Look, in a way, it was, to be honest. Um, okay, it was a tactical battle. And for those who have an appreciation for tactical beauty, they might see that aspect of it from, uh, you know, the tactics of Massimiliano Allegri and Luciano Spalletti. But I really felt that if Mario Mandzukic was shooting a lot better, he could have won that game by himself. He had about three or four good chances that he should have finished off. But Samir Handanovic also had an excellent game in goal. So that probably, from that perspective, that cost Juve two points. And just quickly, I'll stick with you in terms of the coaching strategies going into this. Um, fair to say a win for Allegri over Spalletti as uh, Inter really didn't produce much on the night. Yeah, I would say so because Inter, they had a bit of possession in the first 15 to 20 minutes, but I thought it was rather futile possession and they didn't really penetrate the Juve defence. Juventus in the first half slowly got better with counterattacks and in the second half they probably had the better control of the possession and all that, but they just couldn't find the back of the net. Katarina, now in the space of eight days... Juventus defeated Napoli in Naples and then um, had a Champions League match and then went on to, well, draw with Inter, but completely dominate Inter, let's say. Uh, Is it fair to say that Juve have proven that, again, this season, that they're still significantly stronger than their competition for the Scudetto? Yeah, uh, I think so. (laughs) I always (laughs) say that that on the paper you uh, probably... We'll win another Scudetto and we have said um, I think they struggled just in the first month and but we have seen that also against Inter uh, the only thing that lacking was a goal and so I don't know I guess Napoli they made a great defensive uh, game and that's the UE force we always say that but uh, I believe also that um, this year probably will be more difficult for them to win because I believe Napoli and Inter are just there. And, uh, and now <laughs> they are on top of them. And so we'll see. But yeah, uh, they're still a Juventus of, of, the, of the same. Maybe struggling a little bit in some match, but I don't know. I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we, we won't get too much into Napoli because I'm sure we have a lot of questions for you later on them. But um, a, a question has just actually come on YouTube um, related to Inter specifically. Do you guys think Jean-Mario should have played against Juve? And, and a comment just after that says um, that they think Gagliardini should have played from the start. Um, obviously, Boca Valero and... Vecino were playing in that defensive role with Marcello Brozovic in that more advanced midfield role. And it's fair to say Brozovic started maybe strong on the ball but kind of drifted out of the game and didn't really provide much in that midfield. So 
there is certainly an argument for having Gagliardini in there as a strong midfield presence and allowing the likes of Borja Valero or Gian Mario to have some attacking freedom moving forward. Um, any comments about that? Do you think Gian Mario should be um, playing a bit more in the team? Uh, in a way, I think you know it can be justified that Spalletti would uh, drop him. Uh, mind you, I thought he had a pretty decent game against Kiev the week before. So it really depends on the balance because Inter has a lot of defensive midfielders and central midfielders. I still believe that aside from Bucha Valero, they don't have much in terms of creativity. So it was really a matter of who should go out of that team more. And uh, Vecino has been a pretty strong player throughout the season. So I would have kept him. Um, Probably in hindsight, you would say that Brozovic should have been dropped and maybe he would have been better off coming on as an impact sub. Mm, I I would definitely agree with that. Um, I I think it's kind of everyone's agreed that Juventus were by far the better team and for him to escape that match with a draw, it's it's a positive result. But in terms of the performance, there's uh, a lot to be... um, I mean, there's a a lot of work to do, let's say, to catch up to their competition for the league. So we'll leave that one there for now and we'll get into another nil all draw. There was a few of them this week and that was Napoli at home to Fiorentina. Katarina, obviously as a native Neapolitan, I'm going to go to you first. Napoli, in all competitions, they've lost their last three matches uh, at home to Juventus, which we mentioned they lost to Feyenoid in the Champions League and then that nil or with Fiorentina. They haven't scored in Serie A for 240 minutes now. Uh, what's going on? Is there any concerns about this or is it just a temporary slump? Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about the last point that you mentioned about the goal. And the moment is obviously negative, but uh, the good thing that I don't see a proper lack of energy from the team in terms of physical energy. I think it's more uh, about the, the mentality and it's all started against the, the Udinese match, not against the Juventus, I think, because that one was a, a great win, but we played uh, really, really bad, probably the, the, the worst match of the season so far. And I would give also credit to Fiorentina that, was amazing impressing especially in the first half and yeah we are uh, napoli is not so brilliant and something is missing in the usual moments i think in the attack especially in the attack and so the thing that the right thing to do now is not panicking and i believe it's it's just a moment that could that Sari will uh, take on and and so continue to work as always and hope that Insigne will recover soon and probably getting some rest it's always it's also good for him and yeah I will see also probably more uh, rug on the field and we are seeing now Zeliski is doing well so. Uh, needs more work to do and it's a moment I think now uh, probably something a little bit of luck um, in scoring and the next game that will be against Torino and probably 
uh, I don't know, we, we try to, uh, to get up again. You mentioned it was, uh, you see it more as a mental thing rather than a physical thing. So you don't seem to think there's much, there's too much issue with fatigue. And I guess that's something that's often brought up with Napoli because Sari does use that, that 11 quite um, regularly um, with a few kind of subs in the, in the midfield. So you don't think, I mean, going to a question that's coming on YouTube as well, um, which asks, do you think Sari should change his tactics now? Just off the back of that, should, is there an argument now that he should maybe be rotating more or as you said, do, kind of just keep calm and just keep going as things are and hope that things turn around again? The thing is that Sari work uh, with the same players because they need to do the same way of playing that he wants to. So if if a player is not ready to for him, uh, it's a risk for the game. So uh, the thing is that, yeah, it could be a good thing to rotate because the player now probably uh, is getting more form. The new players like Marirui, also Rog, and they are getting there. Uh, but I believe that uh, also Amsic uh, needs to play, needs to uh, still need to play. And for the way of playing that Sari wants to, uh, that's his way of managing a team. And it could be something positive, it could be something negative for others. And there is a lot, there is a lot of pressure about, <laughs> about that point in Napoli and about the press. Uh, but I think the supporters are, are still happy because it's the best start of the season of all time. And so I'm concerned about, yeah, the goal and probably that we are now more predictable. I'm more concerned about that. And yeah, some players in the attack, like Mertens, I believe they need some rest, especially in the attack. But in the midfield and mid-defense, we are, I think we are mostly fine. And he said that the physical results from everyone are the same of the, of, of the September games that we played. So I think it's more mentality now. We will see after Christmas if he is lying or, or if not. So if, uh, I'll go to you, Vito. Uh, from a more neutral perspective, uh, many backed Napoli at the start to, to win the Scudetto or at least be the main challenger of Juventus. Um, so is, is this kind of form enough to warrant a change of mind? I mean, my, me, myself, back Napoli at the start... Do you think now, given this kind of lapse in form, um, that there's enough reason people should kind of jump off the bandwagon? Or do you think, um, you know, they can uh, they can get back to where they were? You know, it wasn't that long ago that they had eight wins to start the season and they've still only lost once in Serie A. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't jump off the back bandwagon as yet. And I'm someone who tipped Napoli to win the Scudetto as well. So I think 16 rounds in, it's uh, very early to write them off. But the recent results do show a little bit of concern, particularly with that Lorenzo Insigne. He's missed out on the last two competitive games. And as brilliant as Saudi's system is, 
Insignia brings that unpredictability and X factor. So I think his absence is probably more of a concern that than what most people would have been anticipating because he's the type of guy that can score goals out of nothing, especially if he goes for a long-range shot or he goes for those Del Piero-style bending shots. So um, hopefully he's sooner he'll return sooner than we hope. Indeed. Uh, we'll leave Napoli for now because we'll come back to them when we discuss the European draw. So for now, um, as I mentioned, there was a few nil or draws. So another one was Kievo against Roma. Um, I don't want to go too much into the game, but in my opinion, it, it saw the standout performance of the week from Stefano Sorrentino uh, in the Flying Donkeys goal um, Eight registered saves, but that included an incredible double save. And my favourite was towards the end, which was a deflected shot where he managed to somehow save it when he was diving the other way, which was just amazing. So if you haven't seen that, look up the highlights because it was it's well worth a watch. Um, quickly, but uh, Roma, they had 26 shots. And as I mentioned, there were some amazing saves in there. Let's say a couple of misses, misses, misses even Jekyll and Jekyll. Is it fair to say just one of those games for Roma and nothing too much to worry about there? Just move on and forget the result? Uh, I would not be so concerned. I think, yeah, 26 shots in a, in a game. Uh, I read that was the record for, for the Giallo Rossi in a Serie A in a single away game this season. So I would not be so concerned if we would be in the Francesco shoes. Uh, they, yeah, would be a little bit frustrated from, probably from the result, but uh, and also because it's the second, uh, second consecutive draw in a away game for, for them. Uh, but they dominated all the the entire game, and Stefano Sorrentino was ex- excellent. So, uh, yeah, I would not be so worried. So we will see them in the next game uh, against Cagliari uh, at home. So probably they could recover. But now uh, we will see that there is a little bit of gap between the, the first four and the others. But they still to play against Sampdoria in the next year uh, for, for okay. the game that they miss. So I think it, hmm. it was a good match. Uh, Vito, I just want to go to you um, more so on... Uh... An individual in Patrick Schick, obviously former Sampdoria man, um, he actually started uh, leading the attack for the Gelo Rossi, and Jeko didn't come on to the 64th minute um, when Schick went out wide, I believe. After that, uh, just your thoughts on this? I thought that was um, an interesting move from uh, Di Francesco. What, what do you think about Schick leading the line in that way? Well, it seemed that Di Francesco was happy to rotate his team after the 1-0 win against Carabag in the Champions League. There were a few changes in the Roma team, including Schick. So it was interesting to see how the game progressed. A bit frustrating too, though. Uh, Schick, he had a few chances, but because Sorrentino was on fire, um, he was a bit unfortunate not to get on the score sheet. But as the game went on, you know, he drifted to the right to let Jacko go in the centre. Then 
Chengizunda came on later in the game, so the formation was more like a 4-2-4 and Shik was between uh, Unda and Jekko. So it does have the tactical flexibility and the skill set as well as the mobility, but uh, when you have a stubborn defence like Kievos and Sorrentino in sensational form, it kind of makes things a lot harder. So hopefully next week he can possibly get onto the score sheet then. Definitely. I think uh, a lot of us, irrelevant of who you support, would like to see Schick back to his best form in Serie It's always good to see some of the most talented young um, footballers uh, achieving their potential, I guess, let's say. Uh, moving on from that match uh, to a match that actually saw a few goals, which is nice. Uh, AC Milan defeated Bologna 2-1. It was Gennaro Gattuso's first victory in charge of the Rossoneri. Uh, he was very excited about it. Um, lots of passion from the sidelines, which is always nice to see. Uh, we don't want to go too much because we've spoken a lot about Milan and Montella and Gattuso in recent weeks. So um, we won't go too in-depth, but uh, let's say it wasn't an overly convincing win, but at this stage, it's probably a fair thing to say that it doesn't really matter how, but just a matter of getting the win for Milan and the confidence that comes with that. Is that fair enough, Vito? It's important to get the result, and that's what Gattuso in particular needed, as well as AC Milan in general. But what I liked about the way AC Milan played was that they played with more intensity and they moved the ball at a higher tempo than what they would have done under Montella. Another thing I like about Gattuso so far, at least based on the Bologna game, was that the team looked a lot more balanced in the 4-3-3. I reckon with Montella's back three formations and all the other formations he tried, the formation just looked out of balance. But everyone's in positions that suit the characteristics. So we'll see what happens to see if this is a continuous trend or... Uh, Gattuso, he just comes in temporarily and then his way of coaching and man management just drops off. Hmm. Uh, there, in saying that uh, with the victory, obviously, but there were quite a few defensive issues, I think it's fair to say. And someone that we've really spated in recent weeks is Ricardo Montelivo, but he came up with a few goal-saving tackles, arguably, um, in defence. Um, you know, not necessarily dominant on the ball, but in the defensive third, he, he uh, had one of the outstanding games of um, of his season or possibly uh, the Rossoneri season. Vito, I'll stick with you. Um, is he actually playing himself into the starting eleven? Uh, based on that, he is because uh, I remember there was, one before Bologna equalised and he made an excellent tackle to deny Mattia Destro. So, and the way he went in to get the ball and without, uh, you know, cynically fouling Destro, I thought that was a fantastic challenge on his part. The thing with Montalivo throughout his career, though, is he's not a consistent performer. So... Again, I'd like to wait and see what happens over the next few weeks if he can constantly produce that type of performance. But for him to help out defensively like he did, I still think he deserves credit. And at least from that perspective, it was a rather admirable effort. So hopefully he keeps it up for 
you know, his team's sake. Okay, we'll move on from that. Uh, no doubt Rossinelli fans will be hoping for more victories um, in any way, shape or form. Uh, some of the other results from this weekend, Spal 2-2 against Verona, Udinese defeated Benevento 2-0, Sassuolo over Crotone 2-1, and then a match which has just finished um, within the hour, uh, Lazio at home to Torino. Uh, massive controversy. Torino ended up winning 3-1, but Kat, uh, Italy's going crazy. Lazio fans are up in arms. What, what happened? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Hi, what happened? Uh, Immobile get a red card. And it was a red card, in my opinion. But the referee didn't give a penalty and... That was a penalty again, in my opinion, but um, he didn't use the, the the bar. So the supporters uh, were struggling and got bad comments. Also, the, the club itself made a declaration about, about that, that they're going to be uh, penalized since four matches so far. Uh, about the referee decision, and they are a little bit tired about that. So, again, some some comments about the VAR that we <laughs> every week. Uh, Vito, I think you mentioned you caught the the second half possibly of this. Um, what was your take on what you saw? Hmm. Well, after that, uh, the refereeing decision, you could tell that. It affected Lazio's confidence and Torino really made the most of it. Although I wouldn't say Torino's play was overly spectacular or, or, you know, outstanding. There wasn't like a really clear style of play or system, you could say, but the goals came mostly through individual brilliance. Uh, Beringuer, the Spanish youngster, he scored a goal through persistence on the left wing and after deflection he had a low strike that Strakosha couldn't save. Um, Thomas Rincon was an unlikely goal scorer with a barnstorming run down the middle of the ground and then from outside the box he unleashed a left foot shot. Uh, Luis Alberto pulled it back to 2-1 with a, a superb chip but meant very little because one of Torino's youth products, uh, Simone Dera, scored with a nice, slow, curling shot to make it 3-1. And the way the game was going, I felt Torino could have even had a fourth. So a good three points for the Granata there. But uh, in a way, luck was on their side because of the controversy before halftime. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm sure it's not going to be the last we hear about this game. I'm sure we'll have lots of discussion and arguments online about VAR and... Um, see what's happening with the Lazio fans. Hopefully there's not, no, not too much trouble coming out of the game, but uh, we'll see. That kind of brings the matches from Serie A to an end. Genoa and Atalanta are, of course, due to play tomorrow. But um, it ended up, as a commenter on YouTube mentioned, to be a quite a good round for AC Milan, and obviously getting that win, but they were the highest-ranked team to actually get a victory in Serie A with every team ahead of them either drawing or losing. So uh, not a bad result for Gattuso. Um, for anyone who is listening on the podcast, not via the live stream, I'm going to now throw over to Connor and Luca, who have a bit of a little segment. They've been around Italy going to lots of Serie A and Serie B matches. So they're going to speak about some of their experience. Thanks, Nick. So um, I'm here in Bergamo, surprisingly, with Luca Gumby. I'm Connor Clancy. Luca, say hello. Hello. Um, yeah, so what are we doing here? Uh, well, for uh, I think the second time in my life I've wound up in Bergamo because going to Genoa just didn't work out. Uh, Genoa Atalanta game was postponed till tomorrow, and then we're still going to go there and have a bit train train trouble and wound up in Bergamo. Yeah, it was fun, wasn't it? We, after paying an extraordinary amount of money for a train which first went from Ferrara to Bologna and then from Bologna to Milan and then from supposed to be from Milan to Genoa it just didn't happen so we kind of pulled some strings and ended up here where it is snowing freezing and really really wet but anyway what are we doing in Italy we went to I'm losing track of what we actually did this week Thursday night we went to the Europa League where Atalanta beat Lyon 1-0 Andrea you know, Pitania. You know well, uh, Andrea Pitania scored one of the worst goals I've ever seen live, but Atalanta are through. That was probably the worst game we've seen so far. It was, but um, yeah, what what did you make of the game, the day, the night in Reggio and Modena, the occasion? Well, I suppose the occasion was a bit different because obviously it's not Atalanta playing at home, mm. so it's quite sad in the way you're not seeing the city, and now we are, but obviously there's no occasion, but. Yeah, it wasn't a great game, but the occasion occasion lived up to it. Obviously, the Atalanta fans made an effort. They travelled on numbers. They had their their flags. We made a yeah. What what did you make of seeing Atalanta play at home in Reggio Emilia? Because as you said, the atmosphere is quite good. They travelled quite well, but how did it sit with you just seeing a team from Bergamo playing their home matches so far away? Uh, well, obviously, it doesn't sit that well because it's not you know it's not how it should be. But all things considered, I think. It went pretty much as as well as good. I think there was obviously issuing with the issues with the ticketing, which we uh, encountered ourselves. But the fans went. They they travelled in good numbers. They made the most of the atmosphere. Perhaps perhaps it affected the way fans somewhat. There weren't many from Leon there. They 
travelling contingent mm. seemed quite poor, but I think overall, considering everything and how it's not how it would ideally be, it was pretty much as good as it could be. Yeah, well, they're through now to the, the knockout rounds of the Europa League where they meet Borussia Dortmund, I'm sure, Nick, and I think it's Kat and Vito on this week. We'll discuss that a bit more, but... So we went to the game, had a great meal in Reggio Emilia, then we went back to Modena to stay. Got up in Modena the next morning, nice place. Where did we go from? We went to Verona then. Um, there was no game on, but thoughts on Verona, kind of a trip down memory lane for you? Yeah, it was the first time I've been back since doing a year abroad at university there, and all, all pretty much the it's same. A nice place. Yeah, it's a very nice place, shame there was no game on. Could have stayed for Chievo's... Uh, Heroic goalless draw the next day. <laughs> I'm but... really glad we didn't because where, where we did actually go was to Venice. It's my first time there. You've been there before, but it's quite nice seeing Venice without all the tourists around. We got to enjoy the city for what it is, really, especially at nighttime when we went for that walk, which was romantic. Sorry, Nick. But Venezia, we, we saw some Serie B. Venezia against Provicelli. It was one all. Fair to say. Entertainment value in the game was quite good, but the quality of football on show was not. No, it wasn't brilliant. It was quite open. It was mm. quite into the end. It was quite entertaining because of that, like you said. But I, I, it was pretty average players, I suppose. It wasn't a terrible standard apart from the, the cracking bicycle kick where <laughs> the defender sliced it onto his standing foot and then put it out for a corner. But I, I think also you mentioned as well that the pitch at Venezia... It's, tiny. it's particularly small, so I suppose that also must have quite a big impact yeah. on how the game is played. And be quite. I'm not sure what Venezia's home record is, but if that gives them some sort of advantage. Yeah, well, we saw two ageing Serie A names and Giuseppe Vives and Cristiano Del Grosso, and they were quite good. They were, yeah, Vives, Vives was dominating was in the middle. Forwards. He, he didn't seem to be uh, blowing at all. His stamina seemed fine. Do you think he's 37? He had the legs yeah. of about a 17-year-old in that game. Um, then, oh, actually, just on Venezia, the stadium is quite interesting, isn't it? We've got a view of the Dolomites to the to the right from where we were sitting, and then just water all around. It's, it was one of the most unique match-going experiences I've ever had, I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Clear day, you could see the Dolomites one side, Marina behind, mm. Church Tower coming up behind crumbling stand away in the corner opposite. Have you ever had to get the boat to the football before? <laughs> no, obviously that was the that's the only time I've ever done it. It's quite nice to see uh, the Pro Vercelli as well. Mm. They clearly enjoy putting their little video on Twitter of the players arriving. <laughs> it must must be quite odd for the players. I don't know if it kind of makes it more exciting for them. You'd, you'd think so. Mm. But yeah, it's a bit difficult. Complete opposite end to the, the yeah, station. Yeah. It's a bit hard to work it out, but... It's Once quite a nice scenic walk as well, though. Now, yeah, you walk through the way. gardens and all that. You start to you still get that match feeling of everyone walking to the game together. You start to see the colours, people outside the bars, and it's just somewhat bizarre that you're surrounded by yeah. water and I, you have to get there mostly I, by boat. Or... I did love how our Airbnb host was completely shocked and almost horrified that when we said we were going to the football because she was kind of the stadium's really bad, but. Um, it, it's not in great shape. If they do come up to Serie A, there's no way they're going to be allowed to play there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if they do. And as things stand, I think they're in around the playoff places, so they've got every chance. Where did we go then? That was on Saturday. Ferrara. We went to Ferrara, which is really nice. Spal to Hellas Verona 2, which you've got a habit of seeing teams throw away two goal leads this weekend. Sam did it against Cagliari. Cagliari? And then... Verona went 2-0 up and Spal hit the post and they hit the other post 
and they had a goal disallowed. And then Alberto Poloski popped up with one of the worst goals you'll see scored. Um, maybe challenging Andrea Patania in that regard, but it was a good comeback. What did you make of Spal and the Paolo Mazza? Yeah, the Stadio Paolo Mazza. There you go. Uh, what you make of the stadium and the experience going there? Yeah, I suppose it's kind of carrying on from Veneto. It's kind of that it's a nice place to visit. The facilities are pretty much substandard and wouldn't be up to up to code in many other places, but it's, it kind of brings a certain charm, charm to it. I think you can enjoy the curve. It was nice there. It's quite nice to be at ground as well, where you're not surrounded by netting or mm. a fence. It was just a clear clear view of the pitch, although we did have to move back because if we had been in our <laughs> allocations, that would not have been the case. But... Spal it's a nice ground as well because it's small so yeah. it, it looks full and the Spal fans were there it was their 110th anniversary they were up for it then it wasn't all celebrations yeah it wasn't all celebrations even at the end they weren't very happy with the no. draw but yeah it was it was good to see a, a historic club a team that's back and certainly interesting and one to probably try and make the trip to this year if in, in case uh, they'll be heading back to Serie yeah, B for next one week. thing that uh, Kind of, it did bother me. I'd say, and I think you're in agreement with me on this, is that the Spal fans just got on the backs of their own players. Marco Barriello, in particular, who, let's be honest, he is a good player for Spal's level, and if he was kind of supported, he'd probably score goals. But the supporters there really don't like him, and he was getting a lot of stick when he was taken off. Um, but himself and the coach then turned around and applauded the curva as they were jeering him basically, and they didn't react too kindly to that. Do you think that if Spal want to stay up this year, they, they'll need their supporters to actually support them? Yeah, it certainly seems counterproductive because they do get a bit of an atmosphere going, but then it was just quite poisonous. Obviously, it was a high-pressure game against Verona, a direct relegation rival, but you think that Spal do have some players that you've heard of. You've mm. got Poloski, Viviani, who's sort of been bouncing around. Serian was hotly tipped as a youngster. They have got quite a few players who are quite well known for that kind of level compared to some other teams we've had in recent years but I think that does kind of create the the potential issue where you do have these players who are playing within themselves because they're at home and they they do seem to be getting this very strangely negative atmosphere especially I'm like the Spower and Serie Chi yeah. the, the club was only refounded in 2013 they've been they've been moving up the divisions I know you can't really sort of say to the fans or just you know that's your lot you have to take it except to just be grateful but it does seem a bit odd for them to be so critical of Borriello when they've just been doing so well they're, they're above kind of expectation just being Serie A this season so you'd presume that Borriello's going to be off, off in January, January yeah. so that might resolve that kind of issue and help with a bit of chemistry and getting fans back on side but it's not really you don't really like to see people getting on players back so so much it just it doesn't really help anyone I can understand why they want they wanted Antonucci mm. because he was kind of the hero last year in getting them up and the then end, he scored yeah. as well. So they they were vindicated in that aspect. So you can understand why they want mm. Antonucci, but I, I don't really see why they, they were getting on players back so much and even the coach was getting it as well. Yeah. Um, I suppose the highlight for me and Ferrara, other than the match, of course, was we had the bikes and we got to cycle around. But... The meal we ate was fantastic. What was it? Capalucci the di Zucco? Uh, Zucca, yeah. Zucca, yeah. Which is pumpkin-filled pasta, and it was amazing, I think it's fair to say. But then, I don't know if it was after we ate that meal that our day kind of went downhill. The Genoa Atalanta game was called off, and then bike broke, and then we thought we fixed it, but then it broke again, and I ripped my trousers. So it was an absolute disaster of a day. But here we are now. 
against all odds and against all planning in Bergamo. Um, might go get some Castanchelli or Polenta in a few minutes. Just before we wrap up, we managed to meet one of our listeners to the FIF pod. Nick Luca Darlison was his name. He reached out when he saw we were going to Venice and unfortunately timetables didn't match up there. But we did meet up with him in Ferrara. So Nick, thanks for being a listener. It's, it was good to meet you. Luca agrees. He's he's proud that you guys share a name in some way. But but yeah, back to you, Nick. Luca, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're going to continue on and go into Serie B quickly, where Palermo uh, defeated, um, smashed Bari 3-0 in uh, what was two teams near the top of the table. Um, quite a convincing win, and it's put Palermo back or up into first place. Bari is down to fifth, I believe. Uh, meanwhile, Parma was only able to get a draw against Ternana, who have now actually drawn their last seven matches in a row, which is uh, quite an incredible feat. I'm, must be close to some kind of record or something. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys had any comments on the Serie B. We say it every week. It's close. There's, things are changing every week. Um, another good round? Probably not as high scoring as other rounds, but uh, one of the interesting games was Cesena versus Pescara, which ended 4-2. Um, Pescara were losing 3-2, had a player sent off from memory, might have been one of the goal scorers, but then at the end, yeah, Cesena got a fourth near the end. The most interesting thing, though, for me was that Serge Cosmi is back in Serie B. He coached Trapani two seasons ago, the former Perugia coach, ever charismatic, shouting his head off a lot. Now he's at Ascoli. They got a 1-1 draw against Centella, but Ascoli are still on the bottom of the Serie B table. But he turned things around for Trapani two years ago, so we'll see what happens there. Okay, we'll uh, quickly head straight over to the European draw. Um, there is a lot to get through, as I mentioned. So uh, start with the Champions League. Juventus got drawn against Tottenham Hotspur, which is an interesting matchup. Uh, Spurs have been in mixed form of late, um, despite their 5-1 victory over Stoke on the weekend. They currently sit sixth in the league, while Roma got Shakhtar Donetsk, who um, possibly a, a favourable draw, but we know they can be a danger team, as we saw um, in Napoli's group during the group stages. Sorry, Kat. Um, they can be very hard to beat at home, so the match in Rome will no doubt be a key one. Um, Kat, I'll go to you first. Initial thoughts about that. Uh, Juve and Roma, good draws? Uh, yeah. I think could be worse, especially for <laughs> for Roma. And But, yeah, Shakhtar is dangerous, especially at home. So they need to be a little bit uh, worried about, especially I saw just a little bit the, the calendar of both of them in February, and it's a little bit tough for both for Juve and uh, for Roma and also for Napoli and AC Milan. And that we would see later. But uh, Tottenham, I believe, uh, yeah, in Premier League is not probably the best this year, and especially the moment. 
now, but in Europe, they're still doing an amazing job, I think. So probably also the Wembley spirit is helping them in going through. And so it will be not so easy, probably for Juventus, but uh, could be be worse for both of them about the draw. Yeah. Vito, I'll throw it over to you for your opinion. Uh, Can you see both teams going through? I think it's a possibility. Uh, The Shakhtar versus Roma fixture, I expect Roma to have a tough time, but I think it's winnable for them. If I compare them to Napoli, I can see Di Francesco more or less showing a bit more tactical flexibility and better squad rotation, and he's already shown it in Serie A as well. So I think Shakhtar's going to have more trouble against the Giallorossi than what they had against the Partenopei. In Juve's case, I expect a tough game because I remember when Allegri was coaching AC Milan, he couldn't handle the speed and pace of Spurs, and they were coached by Harry Redknapp, sorry, and he, with all due respect, he was rather simple in his methods, whereas Mauricio Pochettino, he's more structured in his coaching, he's got a far clearer philosophy, so I really expect a great challenge for Spurs, and one of the ways Juve can win, aside from the star individuals being in better form, is how Allegri uses his speedsters, you know. If uh, De Chilio's in form, Alexandro, and then if he plays Cuadrado and Douglas Costa simultaneously, I think that is one way that uh, Juve can unsettle Spurs. But uh, I actually think Juve's got it tougher than Roma. Hmm. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with you there. Uh, if anyone listening did want to hear a bit more about the Champions League matches, particularly about Juventus and Spurs matchup, Vieira has done a nice little opinion piece on YouTube as well. So certainly give that a listen. Otherwise, we'll head to the Europa League, where Serie A is quite strongly represented with four teams. Uh, Napoli was drawn against RB Leipzig, who are second in the Bundesliga at the moment. Um, Lazio got Steyr Bucharest, who are second in the Romanian Liga, which is quite a favourable draw, I think you could say. AC Milan, another pretty good draw. Ludogorets, uh, the Bulgarian, uh, well, first in the Bulgarian League, but you would think they should be able to defeat them. And Atalanta, I think arguably the hardest of the Serie A draws. Drew Borussia Dortmund, who... I mean, on paper and as a name, uh, obviously a very strong side, but they currently sit eighth in the Bundesliga and are winless in their last nine matches in all competitions. So they are certainly not in form. So if Atalanta show up, you know, they might have a surprise there. So, Kat, I'll go to you first um, about Napoli. Um, RB Leipzig, um, interesting draw, but... Do Napoli even care? (laughs) Exactly. That's the right question. (laughs) That's the thing. Yeah, we will see in February because at the moment I cannot cannot imagine how Sarri now is going to do it in in the Europa League if we we see that as a a real aim of of the season or not. So, yeah, uh, the team is second in the Bundesliga, but we we probably can do it. 
the thing is that if you're going through the Europa League on the next round, we'll have in two weeks probably, on uh, yeah, we'll have the um, Roma, the probably uh, other team in the Europa League to, to clash, Inter, and then the other one of the Europa League game. So if Sarri will see that... <laughs> Probably we are not going through the Europa League and and leave it there. No, I don't know. I'm joking, but um, yeah, we can do it. But that's the thing. We are Napoli needs to to focus on the season now. And in February, let's see if we are six in the league. Probably we will try if we are first, and we're gonna go through the, the Serie A and try to win the Scudetto. Probably I think, we live there. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a fair comment that um, it will definitely depend on how Napoli goes over the Christmas um, period. But, um, you know, given that in the Champions League, some might argue that Sari and Napoli weren't totally 100% there um, in the group stage. So if they weren't there for that and they are in a similar position to where they are in the Serie A now, I think I joked with you, Katarina, that, that they should just put out a team where Rog is the captain. So just play <laughs> yeah. the Primavera side or something. But, <laughs> you know, with, with all respect to the Europa League, would it be a fair decision if those circumstances arise that Napoli kind of just, you know, almost dismiss? Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, it's stupid for Sari to think that uh, if you are yeah in the first spot of the league, we will we try this season. We we need to try to win the scudetto. So it's not so stupid as as comments and and to hide this thing. I think. On the other hand, if you're going to to win the, the Europa League, you're going. Yeah, in the champions and maybe have some money for, for the transfer window, but we are not going to win the Europa League this year. <laughs> it's obvious. I think it's obvious. Uh, Vito, I'll just stick with Napoli for now. Your thoughts on them um, in terms of um, both how much of a um, priority the Europa League should be and about the, the match in itself with RB Leipzig. Well... I must admit, I have to agree with Katarina that uh, I can't really see Napoli taking the competition too seriously because Serie A will be the focus for now. This is a top chance to win the third Scudetto in history and they just don't really have the depth to go and win a trophy in Europe. So I think uh, to win the first European trophy since 1989, that weight will continue for the time being because... Um, Sarri's got his system, but De Laurentiis, uh, I don't think he's really splashed enough to really improve the depth of the side. So in that aspect, I think the Europa League is probably not on the priority list. And as for the game against RB Leipzig, at full strength, and if they took it seriously, Napoli, I would tip them to win. But if Sarri's going to give reserve players and new team players a go, then I think uh, the way Leipzig play, they should be able to overcome Napoli because they got a few young players of their own too. 
Um, going to the other matches, I did mention quite favourable draws for Lazio, AC Milan, and then a bit of a difficult um, one for Atalanta. Um, I'll just get your opinions on whether you think each of them can uh, can get through and compete. Um, Kat, I'll start with you. Lazio, AC Milan, Atalanta, who of them do you see getting through to the next round? Uh, Lazio, I think they can do it. And Atalanta would like, I really would like, they, they can. I think they can, if they believe it. And it would be an amazing, amazing match. I'm looking forward to, to it, yeah. And AC Milan, yeah, it could be pretty easy, but it depends also on their form uh, in February. And so, yeah, I think in the Europa League, it's more easy than in the Champions, probably. Hmm. Um, Vito, Atalanta, they play a Dortmund team, which isn't going too well in the Bundesliga. So them, maybe themselves might want to also contribute concentrate on their domestic uh, league to get back up into the qualification um, areas. So possibly Europa League won't be their biggest priority as well, which might provide Atalanta an opportunity. Um, Otherwise, AC Milan, Gattuso would have, if he's still in charge, uh, would have uh, had a few months in charge at uh, Milan. So you would think they'd have a clear system where they should be able to defeat Ludogorets with all due respect to the Bulgarians. Uh, who do you see going through out of those three? Well, potentially, most likely, I can see all three progressing. Uh, Stawa versus Lazio. I think Lazio should win that if they continue on on the form that they've had this season. I still believe that they're an excellent counter-attacking side and, again, at full strength, a, a fine side in action. Uh, Ludogorets versus Milan. It also depends if the Gattuso effect is still there or if it has worn off. But in terms of squad depth and quality, you would fancy the Rossoneri easily. But the Borussia Dortmund-Atalanta game, that's probably an intriguing one because it depends on how Peter Stoger can turn this team around because he was coaching Cologne, who are on the bottom of the Bundesliga table, and they got eliminated from their Europa League group. So that was a bizarre appointment. If he can turn things around because he's got a better squad to work with, then, you know, that's fine enough. But uh, I'm going to back Gasparini and uh, Ladeo in this case um, because I'm not convinced that Sturger will turn things around. And also uh, there have been some good individual performances in the Europa League from Atalanta, especially Brian Cristante. I think the former AC Milan youth product, he's done well in midfield, chipped in with a few goals. And and also with Mattia Caldara in defence, we'll see if um, he can control Aubameyang because if he can, I think that would be excellent for him uh, in regards to his move to Juve next season. So to... If he can stop a Birmingham, I think that would just add to his value and add to his reputation as well. Interesting. As always, Vito, uh, I think that pretty much takes us to the end for this week. Um, it, I guess a favourable draw all around, I think, for the Italian teams in Europe. Um, possibly a little bit frustrating given that this is the season that now we, oh, the Serie A has a fourth-place Champions League 
uh, spot. So the draws haven't been favourable in recent seasons, but that's the way it goes. So let's hope we can see as many Serie R teams through to the next rounds in their respective competitions. Um, that will do it. Uh, guys, thank you both for joining me as I fill in uh, for Connor. I'm sure he'll be back next week doing a much better job, but um, hopefully I, I got it done enough manner uh guys let uh the people know where they can hear from you um online twitter facebook uh Vito, start with you then cat no worries obviously you can read my work on the forza italian football website have a look at my fan page under vito dori on facebook otherwise i'm on uh, twitter and instagram at vito c doria Okay. Your turn, yeah. <laughs> and you can find me on Facebook as Caterina Mira or on Twitter as at Caterina Mira. And if you'd like to get in touch with me and tell me just how bad my Italian pronunciation is, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Z Carroll or on Facebook, Nicholas Carroll. Um, of course, follow Forza Italian Football on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, follow us on YouTube. There's lots of new videos coming out, lots of opinions around AC Milan, around Inter, about the European draws. Um, we've had men on the ground at matches all across the weekend. There's some matches, uh, videos live from the grounds as well. So ensure you subscribe so you're getting all of those as they are uploaded and of course support us on patreon as we are all volunteers we do this out of love for italian football so any support is very much appreciated otherwise from katarina vito and myself it's ciao for now ciao, ciao tutti
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 